There's an interesting phrase in Proverbs chapter 4 describing the wicked. The Old Testament wicked, those who are intentionally separate from God. They don't know and they don't care. In chapter 4, verse 18, I believe it is, it says this, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, using the same word, and they do not know over what they stumble. In other words, they're so dark, they don't know what tripped them up. They're so in sin, they can't even figure out the problem. It's this kind of ignorance. We're in darkness, we're in sin, and we don't know what our problem is, and we keep perpetuating these problems, and maybe we don't even care to figure it out. I'm Kyle Grant, and I'm the lead pastor at Grace Bible Church. You know, biblical preaching is one of the highest priorities of our ministry, and I'm so thankful that you've chosen to listen. If you have any questions about our ministry or would like to know more about Christ, feel free to connect with us at www.gracebibleelkhart.com. Thank you again for spending these moments with us, and I pray that God transforms you by His grace through the Bible. And if you will go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, I have to ask you this morning with me to pull back the cobwebs of your mind because we started a we, we had a vision statement in 2021 when we were studying the Gospel of John, and it just really never got fully fleshed out because of a number of reasons, one of which I just failed to flesh it out. So it's my fault, really. Um, but I want to come back to it at least for a little while because chapters 4 through 6 is especially chapter 4 and 5, really has this idea of imitation of Jesus. And so we started this little statement back in 2021 that went something like this, uh, imitate Christ and initiate conversations. Imitate Christ and initiate conversations. And so that's going to be kind of a subvision of 2023. Get the year right, right? So it's going to be a, not the main theme, but a theme. And I wanted to bring it back specifically for this portion of where we are in the Scriptures. Because obviously, you will even see this morning why the idea of imitation of Jesus Christ. And then what we mean when we say initiating conversations is just evangelistic opportunities or even discipleship opportunities when we, we take our imitation of Jesus Christ and we... We work it into the lives of others, and we begin to talk about Jesus and live out the person of Jesus, so we're either evangelizing sinners or discipling saints. So keeping that in mind, I want to read our text this morning, which is starting in verse 17 of chapter 4. We're going to read down through verse 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Now, it's been a little while since we were in Ephesians. If you're visiting with us, we have been here for several months, and I'm sure we all need some review. So just as quickly as I can, remember in chapters 1 through 3, Paul is building this gospel foundation. He's going to flesh out who we are in Christ, and he's going to use that, that phrase, in Christ, repeatedly. And he uses that phrase for a number of reasons, primarily two reasons. One, to cause us to understand what the gospel has accomplished in unifying us to Christ and in making peace with God, and then to, to give us the idea that since we are in Christ, we are actually then unified to one another. The gospel, or the, the epistle, the book of the epistle of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians is primarily a letter regarding the theology of the church, and you can't start with the theology of the church without a theology of the gospel, which brings us to the theology of Christ, and then what the Spirit Himself is doing, all of this taking place because it's God's plan, chapter 1, verses 11, or uh, 3 down to verse 14. And then in chapter 4, He takes all of this theology and He he gives us very clear action steps with all of this in Christ, unified to Jesus, unified to one another theology. And, and, and it's, been, it's been, up until this point in chapter 4, it's been application and a little bit of doctrine, and then application and then a reminder of doctrine. And then from this point on, really, it's just, I mean, the cookies are on the bottom shelf. It's just right there for us to see it and eat it, and, and, and live. Maybe I shouldn't have used cookies because they're not very nourishing. But the steak is on the bottom shelf. So eat it, be nourished by it, and live it out. All right? And if you're, if you're vegetarian, I don't have anything for you. All right? <laughs> the broccoli's there. <laughs> but you get the point. It's all... Right, it's application from here on out. Paul says, here's what the gospel says. Here's what the gospel is, excuse me. And here's what you do with it. And it's very plain in verse, starting in verse 17. This morning we all did something. I know this is true of all of us because it would be very obvious if we didn't. We got dressed. And Paul uses this terminology very specifically in this text. Maybe you had a morning like me where I, you know, we try to be really efficient with Sunday mornings. We try to be really efficient with Sunday mornings. You've heard me say it. Sunday morning starts on Saturday, right? And so we're trying to make sure we plan. And, and so sometimes I'll even get my clothes out for Sunday morning. Uh, on Saturday night, and I, I didn't last night. I just had in my head what I was going to do, and I, you know, I pulled it out of the dark. And then when I put it on, I just thought, nope, that will not look good. And had some clashing going on, so I changed something, and it was, we still had a problem. Something else started clashing. Now, listen, 
It's not because I'm trying to be like fashion forward up here. It's because if I get up here and I clash, some of you might be distracted. I'm serious. So I even think about what I wear when I'm preaching. So um, I had that, you know, put off, put on, get dressed, try something else. This is the idea that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I told you it's really simple from here on out. Put off what's bad. Put on what's good. But here's the question. How do you know what's bad? And how do you know what's good? This morning I want to show you very clearly from verse, verses 17 and 24 that we must learn Christ to live like Christ. We must learn Christ to live like Christ. If we're going to put on the things of Christ, we need to know what those things are. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. I want to show you in verse 17 an appeal to difference or an appeal to being different, if you want to use that terminology. An appeal to difference. This I say that you no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now this could sound a little bit like a on-the-nose statement about the Gentiles, but we know that Paul is not obviously speaking of all Gentiles because he's, if, we're, if you remember it, I'm sure you do, uh, chapter 2 is largely dedicated to the gospel bringing Gentiles to God. So in chapter 2, we, we deal with the theology of Gentiles being brought in and being brought to peace with God. And then in chapter 4, he says, you shouldn't live like the Gentiles. This is very clearly helped by uh, just some understanding of the language and actually some understanding of the ancient texts. Most of the ancient texts actually read something like this, that you would not live like other Gentiles. The idea or implicit in the passage is that there are some Gentiles who live this way, but you are not to live this way anymore. Why? Because you are characterized by chapter 2. You've been brought into a relationship with God. You've been brought into the people of God. Verse 11, therefore remember, of chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. In other words, you were Gentiles, and the Jews were saying you were outside. That's the circumcision, saying that they were outside, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated, remember that word, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And we work through what all of that means. It's temple terminology. There were divisions. There were literally... Uh, uh, ceremonial divisions. You've got priests and Levites and, and men and, and, and women and the Gentiles were on the outside and literally what Paul is saying is that Jesus destroyed that wall and everybody is welcome in. So in chapter 2, the Gentiles are brought into the people of God. In chapter 4, he says, you must no longer walk as other Gentiles. In other words, unsaved Gentiles. Why? Why? Well, he's going to say that in just a moment. He's going to give us why in just a moment. 
But you have to understand that verse, under, verse 17 functions very logically within chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you no longer walk. And this is in contrast to what he's already said we should do in chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the, of the calling to which you've been called. So you should walk a certain way. A way that befits the gospel itself, because that's what's called you. And you shouldn't walk a certain way in verse 17, as the Gentiles do. So verse 17 is essentially Paul just saying, you're a different person. You should do different things. And he uses this terminology of walking to make it clear. Walking is volitional. And it is directional. Remember, we used those terms back in when we studied verse 1. It's volitional and it's directional. You have to choose it and your steps take you somewhere. So verse 17, Paul appeals. That's this word testify. It's to make an appeal on the basis of something. For us to be different. Different from who and why should we be different? Well, Paul answers the reason that we should be different from these other Gentiles by using two other pick word pictures, the word alienation and the word darkness in verses 18 and 19. They, that is these other Gentiles, are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. There's three characteristics or three aspects of those who are alienated. Now remember I said, remember that word back in chapter 2, this word in verse 4, verse 18. They are alienated. In other words, they're still outsiders. They haven't yet come in, not like the Gentiles in chapter 2 alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants having no hope, but those that, verse 13, Christ has brought near. In other words, Paul is just basically saying, at one time you were an outsider of the faith, now you're not. Don't live like an outsider anymore. Because what are some descriptions of these outsiders? They're alienated. This is, this is regarding their salvation. They're still outside. Their problem is not just that they, they're not living right, but that they are not yet right with Christ. They're still outsiders. But then he says, because. In other words, here's the reason they're still outsiders. Here's the reason they are not yet in the faith, or not in the faith at all. Here's the reason they are not the people of God who, who are brought near by Christ. Chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Because, this is the reason they are alienated or outsiders, because of the ignorance that is in them. So first of all, they're alienated and they're in darkness because of hard heads. They're hard-headed people. Now, you will, I'm not just trying to be funny with my outline. You'll actually notice that Paul works on two primary um, centers of living here, the head and the heart, the mind 
and the heart. He's going to come back to this from the positive perspective in just a few moments, or in the next few verses, and we will in just a few moments. They are darkened in their what? Understanding. They're not thinking because they think blindly. And if you think blindly, you can't think with any sort of spiritual light. So that's the first. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life. We've already said that. Why? Because of the ignorance, again, an intellectual word. What they do not no, or it's not even, this, this particular word isn't just primarily lacking knowledge, it's an intentional lack of knowledge. You know how sometimes we say, I don't know what that means, and then we go look it up? That means we don't know what something means, and then we care enough to figure it out. Sometimes we say, I don't know, and I don't care. Right? I mean, how many of you, if I said, what were the scores in the college football games yesterday? All of them. Some of you would know the Michigan games. Some of you would say, I don't know. And you actually, you know, that's interesting. I, I would like to look into that. And you'd look it up. You'd Google it. Or you'd pull out your ESPN app or whatever. How many of you would say, I don't know, and I don't care? Okay? You are, to use a King James phrase, willingly ignorant. <laughs> and about college football, it's fine. I mean, unless maybe your kid's playing with it, you should probably know. But I don't think that's true of most of you. And by the way, it's probably not going to be true of most of you that your kids are going to play in college football. But anyway, this is the idea that you don't know and you don't care. This ignorance is a condemning ignorance. Don't know, don't care. Because of the hardness of their heart and the ignorance... That is in them. There's an interesting phrase in Proverbs chapter 4 describing the wicked. The Old Testament wicked, those who are intentionally separate from God. They don't know and they don't care. In chapter 4, verse 18, I believe it is, it says this, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness, using the same word, and they do not know over what they stumble. In other words, they're so dark, they don't know what tripped them up. They're so in sin, they can't even figure out the problem. It's this kind of ignorance. We're in darkness, we're in sin, and we don't know what our problem is, and we keep perpetuating these problems, and maybe we don't even care to figure it out. Ignorance. So an intellectual problem, darkness of heart, darkness of mind, and ignorance. And they're hard-hearted due to the hardness of their heart. Now, you understand that you are made up of body, soul, and mind. And it's truly a, a theological and even a physiological and unscientific marvel the way that our, our mind and our, our, our body and our heart, like our soul, the, the immaterial and the material part of us kind of are, work together. It's incredible the way that God has designed us. But the scriptures understand that our, our thinking faculty, our, our intellect is directly related to our emotional internal faculty, our heart. 
Solomon says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is that man. So thinking and, 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 and feeling and thinking and being who we are in our heart, what we do with our heart, what, 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 what draws our heart is directly in relation to our intellect, our thinking, which is why I am always talking about the importance of Christian doctrine. Because if you think the wrong thing, your heart will follow the wrong thing. You know who really understands the heart? Disney. Now, my kids watch Disney movies. I'm not saying thou shalt not watch Disney movies. I'm just saying they understand the heart. Your heart causes you to live a certain way. Which is why we have to think a certain way. Because what happens if we don't watch our head and our heart? They have become callous. Given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. What a verse. So let's just break it down together. So because of hard heads and hard hearts, they've, it's causing hardened habits. In other words, it's what they do. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. When I think of this word callous, I'm sure he would love that I think of him. But I had a friend in high school who played um, the marimba, and actually now he does it professionally. He's a very good musician. Um, so he played the marimba. If you don't know what that is, it's basically a big xylophone. Okay, And he would have... He would have uh, sometimes three mallets in his hand at once. And he would just, I mean, he, would, he, was, he was really good. And uh, whenever I'd give him a high five, I would just feel these gross, hard things on his hand. And they were calluses from the, the motion of what he was doing. And having, I mean, he practiced hours a day. And so, so that friction, that action, that ongoing, repeated action caused calluses hardening you know what's characteristic of those who aren't in Christ ongoing sinful repeated actions that cause hardness But it can happen to you, too. It's called searing a conscience. Where you've just got one little, or two little, or three. You're walking with Jesus over here, and over here, and over here, and over here, but you've got this one thing. And brother, sister, I'm talking to myself, too. The scriptures are talking to me, too. that you won't even talk about that one thing without blowing up or getting angry because you're just hardened to it. You can't imagine giving up something in your life. And if someone approached you about it because maybe they recognize it's not helpful for you, it's not a conversation you'll have because you're hardened to it. Teenagers, what if mom and dad try to take your phone? 
Spouses, what if your spouse, with a good desire and a right intention and a gracious spirit, touches on that struggle? That you know, and you just don't admit it to yourself, so when somebody else admits it, it's just too much. And boom. How's that happen? Hardened hearts. So this is characteristic of unbelievers. Paul says you shouldn't be like this. But let's take heed, brothers and sisters. Because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Notice what happens. There's a very clear progression here, and it's fascinating the way that Paul says this. They have become callous, and then they've given themselves up. That's what it says. Look at verse 19. They have become callous and given themselves up. It sounds very much like Romans 1, doesn't it? They've given themselves over. So they've become callous, they've hardened, and then they've surrendered. And he doesn't say, and they become greedy. It's not like a fruit of the greed is not like a fruit of this. It says they become greedy to practice impurity. So what's the first thing that gets affected when our heart is hardened and we live out an ignorant mind? Our desires. Do you see that? What we want. When I'm counseling, for almost every, almost every problem, whether it's depression, whether it's marital conflict, whether it's addiction, almost every counseling scenario, you know one of the, one of the first questions I ask, or I work towards, remember one of the first questions I ask, one of the questions I work towards, what do you want from this? What do you want? And that question alone will reveal the softness of your heart or the hardness of your head. What do you want? Because when we're right with Christ, our desires are aligned with Jesus. When we're living out the flesh, our desires are aligned with the flesh. So whether it's you blowing up at your kid because they walked in front of the TV or hid the remote. You ever notice how accusatory we get when the remote disappears? It's like on the one moment we're enjoying a nice, lovely dinner together, and then we just enjoy, you know, we're going to go play some games, and we play games, and we go watch a movie, and as soon as we watch a movie, who took the remote? It's like, settle down, right? Why do you do that? It's because you want something. Seriously. Why'd you blow up? Because you wanted something. Why do spouses leave their spouses? James has an answer for us. You desire and you cannot have. You do what you do and you feel what you feel because you want what you want. Did you hear that? We do what we do and we feel what we feel 
because we want what we want. I love the way Paul says this. Remember, he's, he's drawing a straight line. He's drawing a line in the sand. Gentiles in chapter 2, you've been brought in. So chapter 4, don't walk like other Gentiles. Why? Verse 20, that is not the way you learned Christ. Jesus didn't teach you that. So, Verse 20 and 24 deals with the assurance or the assurances of our difference. How can we know that we'll be different? Verse 20 and 24. There's a few, 20 through 24, there's a few assurances or reasons that we, ways that we can know that we are different from the other Gentiles who are living out verse 19. First of all, the first assurance of our different living or our changed lifestyle is our teaching. Or I should say, that which we are taught. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him. And listen, we're taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. You know what you need this year to be a new you? To learn Jesus Christ. Because what will happen when you do is you'll learn everything that's not Jesus. And that list is a lot uglier. But you know what will happen? There's grace for that. And you'll grow up into Christ the way that you should grow up into Christ because Christ and Jesus himself is changing you because Jesus himself is teaching you. So maybe this year, if you really want to change, there's this one little thing or these other things that we really want to change, go to the Gospels, slow down, and study Jesus Christ. Because when you get angry about the remote, you get angry at the kids because of, you know, there's... It's a mess in their room again. Or when you get angry at the spouse because whatever reason, I mean, you fill it in, I'm sure you can. Uh, or, or whatever that's sinful, you can go, you know what, Jesus didn't teach me this. That's not the way that I learned Christ. So I need Jesus to teach me. Which is, by the way, why church is really important. <laughs> And why Bible reading is really important. And why meditation is really important. Because we say, yes, I love Jesus. And then we never exercise the opportunity to be discipled by him. What happens when we learn Christ? Our thinking changes. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So the ignorant, or the, excuse me, the, the, the other Gentiles who are following after the cycle of verse 19, what's their first problem? Their ignorance and hardness of their mind. What's the first thing that transforms about us when Jesus teaches us our minds? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Which is why we have to think biblically, which is why we have to know the Bible. Say, I don't have time to read the Bible. Then stop watching TV. 
You got you can figure out time to read the Bible. And if you can't, you got other problems. And you'll lose your mind because you're too busy. Because we need to think biblically. Yesterday morning, didn't have time to read. We're packing up the car. So I put in my AirPods and I listened to Proverbs on my Dwell app. It's just an app on your phone. You can listen to the scriptures. It's like 15 bucks a year. Listen to 10 chapters of Proverbs. I, I included a verse in my preaching that I heard yesterday. So teaching is an assurance of our difference. Teaching regarding Christ. Our thinking assures our difference because our renewing in the spirit of our mind means that we'll be transformed, verse 24, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God. What's the end game for your sanctification? Not just being in God's image, but being in God's likeness. Not just bearing the image of God, but being in your lifestyle and your character the person of God. Because that's who He's growing you into. likeness of God and true righteousness, everything that's right and holiness, separate from sin, completely counter to verses 17 to 19. And why did I start with clothing terminology? And why did I tell you about my frustrating morning with my outfit? So that I could get sympathy. No. Because Paul talks about this word, this, this phrase, to put off and put on, is literally the exact same ancient term they would use to put on or put off clothing. It's a very simple word. Like you'd put on clothing. So you have to make choices to live like Christ and look like Christ and think like Christ. And when you do that, God will transform you into his likeness. This is what Paul means when he says, and he died for all, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that all those who might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Listen to this. And what I said about, month, about once a few minutes ago, you've heard me say this. this is, I think 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is, is a much more important passage than I think we give it time to. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. A fundamental aspect of your salvation was to save you from your selfishness. Was to transform my desires. To save me from myself. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come.
the ongoing creation into the likeness and, and image and, and character of God is what he has intended through his sanctifying work, the putting off of the flesh, the putting off of sin, and the putting on the righteousness and true holiness that you may bear the likeness of God himself. So there's, there's two applications here, because two, two primary applications, I think, because there's really two parties addressed, those who aren't in Christ and those who are. Verse 17 and 19, the ignorant, the blind, the darkened. If you're with us this morning, I'm not trying to be hokey, but come to the light. In him is, he was the, the light of men, and in him was life, John tells us. And so there's, there's, there's darkness of ignorance that characterizes and befits your life and you can come to the light and have salvation and know truth and you can be transformed truly, not outside in change that's, that's all on you, that you just have to work better and behave better and improve your own life, but inside out transformation that by God's grace, he's bringing you along in the sanctifying process through the teaching of Jesus Christ, transforming you into the person of Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is make the right, joyous choices to put off sin and put on everything that Jesus looks like. But how are we going to know what Jesus looks like if we don't learn Christ? So this morning, if we want to do things that Jesus would do, sound like Jesus would sound, think like Jesus would think, act like Jesus would act, we have to learn Christ. Because verses 17 and 19 show us what happens if we don't learn Christ and gives us a picture of those who clearly haven't learned Christ. So it's not just for the new year. It's not like some funny tagline. But we really do have to learn Christ if we're going to live like Christ. And then when we do, we'll put off the flesh and we'll put on the person of God and we'll imitate him. When we imitate him, it'll spill over into our lives and we'll begin conversations with people hoping that they can imitate Jesus too. So not just for the new year, but for every day this year, every day of your life. Endeavor to know Christ tomorrow better than you did today. Because you're not going to live like him if you don't learn him. Let's pray.